0: Good morning,
1: everyone. Welcome to World War Three. Uh, and welcome also to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the mirrors editor, Alison Phillips. Good morning, morning, Alison.
0: Good morning, Susie. How are you?
1: Uh, Well, you know, alive so far.
0: So um, this is the People's
1: Pay-Per-View. Get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcasts are just going to have to build yourselves a nuclear bunker and hide in there. So what have we got today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on news that after Britain blew every bell and whistle it had for the late Queen, in what some might say was the biggest royal rigmarole in history, the New King wants his coronation next year to be a slimmed-down affair so it's just the priceless pile of jewels the gold coach immense privilege built on the backs of slavery at home and abroad and a global broadcast and a thousand year old faff for us to enjoy then instead Um, now alison this is by russell myers our royal editor has he got any nitty-gritty on the detail for us or is this sort of more a a politically well-timed expression of a new king's wishes considering that today parliament's going to be talking about the energy crisis
0: um I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think um the the new king is very keen to set his stall out from day one, um, which he sort of he done on the Friday after his mother died on the, on the Thursday. So but also again now we're, we're seeing from him this real determination to make it very clear that although he'll be conforming the tradition and all the and all all that's gone before, he's also going to do it his way and his way. Is going to mean thinking about cost of living. It's going to, mean having to be about being truly inclusive. So, so I think there's that. And also in terms of the actual detail, I think, I mean, you look at all the planning that have gone into the Queen's funeral. They're going to be doing exactly the same for coronation. They've already got um, an operation called Operation Golden Orb on the go. So I think they will already be quite quite getting into the detail about how many people are going to be there, what who they're going to be representing, and what it might look like.
1: Yeah, and of course, remember the last coronation of the Queen when she was 26, you know, she was she was 26. She'd never been to, to school even. She'd been educated at home. She'd been uh, working, serving in the war, but fairly mollycoddled, really. Uh, and so if the courtiers wanted to plan her coronation, I'm sure it was pretty much a case of them telling her how it needed to be. Whereas yes. you got a coronation of a 73-year-old man who's been Prince of Wales for 60-odd mm. years. He he has lots of opinions, and he's thought about this moment for a very, very long time, and he will have a lot of ideas about how he wants it, which his courtiers might not necessarily agree with, might
0: they? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that's absolutely it. So certainly for the first couple of decades of um, the Queen's reign, she was very much dictated to by the, the men in grey suits, as they called them, um, who were sort of saying what she could and couldn't do, and and as a result, I think maybe there were perhaps things that later on that she wishes that she'd done differently. But but she was co- completely sort of dominated by the, the the way that things were said, no, this is the protocol, this is how it must happen. Now we've got a completely different kettle of fish. You've got a, a man, really, most men of 74 are thinking about slowing down or retiring or taking life easier. And now we've got a man who spent his entire life working up to this moment. He knows exactly how he wants to do it. He's also very conscious, I think, of of making sure that he, it sounds an awful thing to say, but almost he's almost like a transitional king because well, he's, not world. World. he's only going to do it for 20, 25 years, really, and then it's going to be on to his son. So he's got the opportunity to to sort of reshape things ready for the monarchy that um, the Prince of Wales, Prince William, will then inherit.
1: Exactly, and the last last coronation was very much in an age of deference. People mm. talked their hats in the air and shouting hurrah whereas this one is far more in the age of the mobile phone and
0: the it is and i crazy. think i mean it's been the outpouring of respect and love over the past couple of weeks has been incredible and it's been really wonderful to watch but i think we have to remember that so if you go back to sort of the 80s the early 90s that kind of period the queen wasn't always held in quite the same deference as she has been for the last two decades because people would have felt mean, sort of saying something mean about an elderly lady as she was then. And, But I think, you know, when she was in her 40s and her 50s, I mean, if you look back at some of the things that were written or some of the things that people were saying publicly, it was a lot more challenging about how she behaved, how her family behaved. Um, and so she sort of, as she got older, she was more cocooned because everyone was just lovely about her all the time. It's almost she like she lot have that. It's like that Elizabeth the First thing that,
1: you know, during her reign, the whole thing was about why aren't you getting married? Why aren't you doing this? What are you doing it wrong? And then by the end, when she was an old lady, it was Gloriana. Hello. Yes. Got, you know, the version. And queen.
0: and I think that's where the king is going to find things a little bit more difficult because he's going to take him a while to kind of build up that kind of um, stock of goodwill.
1: Yeah. Now, Daniel, I'm gonna correct you on something. He says, Daniel says, The Queen didn't televise the anointing when she was crowned. Do we think Charles will change this? So actually, no, you're going to correct me, Daniel. The Queen's coronation uh, was the first one ever to be televised. And it was televised on the instructions, pretty much the insistence of Prince Philip, who was the one who uh, was kind of helping to shape that coronation when it came out. But the anointing, which is the sacred holy bit, when uh, some holy oil is daubed on the on the monarch to to give them their their powers from God or something. That bit wasn't televised because it was considered sacred. Now, whether or not that would still be the case today, I don't suppose we know, do we, Alison? But it's, the whole thing is going to be televised. And unlike 1952, my dad was telling me yesterday that they all crammed into the village hall to watch the uh, coronation in 50, 53. it was, sorry, because no one else had a telly in the village. Um, whereas now, people are going to be watching it on their phones and goodness knows what, are they?
0: Yes. Is, he, is he going to be able to hold out, perhaps, for that anointing to be...? I think that's a really tricky part of the whole thing, in that I, I certainly believe there'll be exactly the same amount of interest in the coronation as we've had in the last fortnight, and also probably the same amount of interest as there was back in '53. But we're a very different society, so that bit about the anointing is obviously crucial, because you say that's the bit where where we accept that um, that, that that God has chosen that person to be queen, and their powers come from God. Now. We now live in a society where lots of people don't believe in any god. Um, you know, we're a very uh, multi-faith society. There's all sorts of um, scepticism now, which perhaps didn't and defer. Uh, you know, and there's not the same deference for authority that there used to be for all those institutions like the church and the monarchy and and all, all and, and all sorts of areas of life. And so, whether we're thinking, I mean, so that's the bit I think that people might be sort of sort of challenged by. If they mm-hmm. are thinking that we're going to accept that somebody's going to pour something on his head and all of a sudden God said that you're the man. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's I quite think tricky well,
1: for them. The, the reason that perhaps they kept that bit not televised is that it's not a very attractive thing. You get some brown splodge smeared on your face and then you have to wipe it off again and reapply your makeup or something. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it's necessarily something anybody wants to see. Uh, now, Georgie says, I'm glad he wants to scale it down. Apparently he had a conversation with Marcus Drofer about the cost of living. So maybe he will. And again, Georgie royals don't have conversations with people in public unless
0: they know because they all
1: that unless it's something that they want out because they know that it's going to be reported as soon as they have that kind of conversation. although,
0: although mark draford isn't really supposed to have told anybody about that conversation if you if you talk to the if you talk to the king or you're not really supposed to tell other people but anyway he did but i i honestly think um and i'm you know i'm not a massive you know a huge huge royalist i like the royal family but i'm not you know I'm not their cheerleader. However, I do think King Charles does care about um, ordinary people. I think the work he's done with things like the Prince's Trust over the last um, you know, three decades, four decades or whatever, has shown a real um, awareness of the challenges that lots of people face and a real dedication to try and do something about them.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, here's an example of um, royal ego for you. Mike says, didn't Charles at one time say he wanted to be named Defender of Faiths? Plural, as opposed to defender of the faith. Now, the monarch of uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland is known as Fidei Defensor, defender of the faith in Latin, and that stems—it's on the coins if you look at them—and that stems from the days of Henry VIII when he uh, wrote some books about theology, and the Pope of the day named him Defender of the Faith. Now, uh, I don't know if it's the same Pope or a different one, but Henry VIII, the same king, was later excommunicated for his kerfuffle with Anne Boleyn. Um, but he kept the title Defender of the Faith, even though he wasn't really supposed to be using it, uh, to kind of prove that you know the Pope had said this about him, and he could keep on he could keep on using it. And the royals ever since have used it. Now it's not up to Prince to King Charles, sorry, to ask the current Pope to rename him Defender of all Faiths that aren't anything to do with the Pope and not in the Pope's purview. So I I don't think he can necessarily. Change could, the he court. Not,
0: could he not just say, I mean, if he's the king, can't he just say, because it, it, I I mean, it's I'm just a
1: declaration, but he can't change the Pope's no. No. instruction. Yeah.
0: But, oh, but he could say, could he not say, I just don't want to do it like that? Um, because I do think that is going to be a real problem to defend the faith, because we are now in a multi society. So I, I think it was, and he'll be more aware of this of thought than anyone. That's
1: going to send out a particularly bad message.
0: But, exactly. See,
1: there's going to be some tricky political mm. footwork, I should think, around some of this. Mm. Now, Daniel says again, Daniel, the King after his sister is one of the hardest working members of the family, and always has been. It was Prince of Wales and worked very hard for the last few years. Now Prince William is going to have to step up and do some of that. And, and one last thing on the on the coronation, there's some talk, Alison, that uh, they're going to have it on June the second, which is the same as the. It means that he would have the same official birthday as his mother did. That was when she was crowned. And it's it's very convenient to have a coronation in June. You're less likely to get rained on. It means that trooping the colour for the rest of your life is going to be probably in the sunshine. Um, is that is that wise, though? Does he not want to have a little bit of separation between him and, and his mum?
0: I think it's quite a nice touch, really, because it would be exactly 70 years. Um, I think on a practical basis, it kind of fits around about that holiday that um, everybody has and the schools have um, half term around there. So in terms of you know, wanting to put on a great celebration for um, the country, um, as we have at the Platinum Jubilee like a long bank holiday weekend, I think that'd be great. I don't think it can be before then anyway, because they will want everybody to have street parties. People will want to celebrate and they can't do that in like cold day. So it might as well be sort of round about the beginning of June, I think, it, I think it's quite a good date.
1: Yeah, he's just got he's just got to make it that far, for a man yes. in his senses. Um, now, keep asking us your questions, everybody. What do you think about uh, a slim down coronation? Do you think there should still be loads of bells and whistles? What's the point of having a coronation if there isn't some? crowns and some frippery or do you think that's going to be a bit inappropriate this year let us know um but while all this is going on the new prime minister liz truss who judging from the pictures is king charles new best friend um gave some interviews in new york yesterday where she's on a visit to the un and she announced that the 30 billion pounds of tax cuts uh she's organizing are perfectly fair because they're going to give money back to the rich um now you heard that right Alison. if i've understood her and i'm I'm not sure anybody does, but I'm trying. She says that because the rich pay more tax to start with, when there is a tax cut, they will get more back. That's just proportionate in, in her view. Um, but I think the poorest are getting an average of 63 pence each off their tax bills under her plan, while the richest get 150
0: quid. Is that month. Isn't, that, isn't that per month, those numbers as well? Which is, yeah. you know, quite, so That's quite a big chunk of money that the richest people are going to be getting back. Um, Yes, that is. um, So this is what um, people like Liz Truss and and, um, they they like to call trickle down economics, which means that you give more money to the people at the top of the tree. And the thinking goes that those people at the top of the tree will be able to um, invest more in their businesses. So their businesses grow, they can employ more people, they'll make more money. Therefore, they'll have to pay more corporation tax in the end, although the corporation tax has also been slashed. And that generally... The people at the top of the tree are so um altruistic and um so sort of dependent on growing their businesses that they will reinvest all that money and make the economy a better place, more jobs, more yeah. business. They won't, more they
1: won't ever buy second homes to block locals out of uh, living yeah, in their own They'll so never leave anything offshore.
0: Or or there's not, you know, lots of people they you know, they won't just be in investing all that, you know, in, in other countries or there is yeah. there is a lot of evidence that proves time and again over the years that trickle-down economics doesn't actually work and actually what you're better off is is finding other ways to encourage growth and sort of from starting at the bottom of the tree working out
1: well it's convenient you say that Alison because there's someone uh, last night who agreed with you uh, and he posted a tweet about there it is, as President of the United States who's decided to cut, fall in line with the editor of the Daily Mirror. I am <laughs> sick and tired of trickle-down economics. It's never worked. We're building an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. Um, now, is this, you know, this is the man that Liz Truss has to do a trade deal with, uh, which she said she was going to get in 2021 as Foreign Secretary. She now says that we're just nowhere near it. Are he and she ever going to be on the same page to oh. sign the deal or anything?
0: I don't think so on this one. And it's an interesting thing. I mean, they're now calling it trust, trust, trustonomics, which is sort of her own personal form of economics, um, and, which, you know, it's not a new idea. There's nothing new going on here. And there's very few um, examples of how this has particularly worked in the past. You know, great if we thought that, you know, it was really going to help the economy help jobs. But there's all sorts of issues at the moment. Like, there are lots of jobs in this country at the moment. The problem is a lot of them are incredibly poorly paid jobs. Um, and then we 've got people who are still depending on universal credit as well as working, so there 's all sorts of other issues and again we 've got this sort of massive irony that that they 're telling people to you know be, to be really careful not to spend too much and to, and they 're worried about normal people getting a pay rise at the moment, um, but they haven 't got a problem with massive tax cuts for people at the top of the tree and there 's also obviously one of the things that we 're going to see later this week expected to see is um, a a lift of the cap on bankers' bonuses. So do you remember the days of the 90s, the 80s, 90s, when people, bankers were in these ludicrous bonuses, encouraged them to take more risks, ended up in the financial crisis. And so that's when the caps were brought in to stop this reckless behaviour. And she's going to lift them again. So her, her whole ethos is let the rich get as much money as they like and let's just hope they do the right thing. Unfortunately, there's very little evidence that they do the right thing.
1: Yeah, I suppose you could boil it down, trust not, but you boil it down to stroke the rich,
0: because that Ooh. seems
1: to be what she's doing. Now, uh, Mike says, I'm sure my mates who work and claim universal credit will happily spirit away their tax cuts, it's only 63 pence a month, Mike, into offshore tax avoiding accounts like the rich often do. Um Yeah, that's the point, isn't it? The the money, that's what Alison was saying. The money, when you give money back to the richest people, doesn't end up in the bus driver's pocket because they don't take the bus. Uh, Now, Leslie says, trickle down has never worked. It just increases greed and reduces investment. Why should they invest when they can keep their money and put it into tax avoidance offshore bank accounts? Everyone seems to be of a view. Um, Can, can I don't think Liz Truss is going to be able to sell this one at the ballot box, but she still thinks she's two years out, of course. Yeah, I if she
0: thinks she's got two years in this, I mean, it's a gamble on her part. If she thinks in the next two years there'll be some huge benefits to the economy, productivity we are, and, you know, the pound will be in a better place, then maybe she thinks it's worth the risk, but um, she's risking with real people's lives.
1: Exactly. Now, speaking of real people's lives, we're going to move on to sort of a breaking story that's come out overnight, which is Vladimir Putin has given a speech, which is, uh, seems to have been ad-libbed. I wasn't reading out from anywhere, and it's Pretty stark staring bonkers. Now, he's been talking about calling, he's going to mobilise Russian military. And what that actually means is he's going to mobilise reserves. So people who were in the military and who retired because they are old or crook are going to get call-up papers in the next few days, and he's going to hurl them at the guns in Ukraine in the hope that that might turn the tide of the war in his favour. Now, that means, Alison, that about 300,000 Russian families are going to get call-up papers in the next day or so, and that may not go down too well with them. Um, But also, he's talking about Russia's territorial integrity coming under threat uh, by uh, Ukrainian forces armed by the West, and he's basically accusing the West of of using Ukraine as a proxy to attack Russia and threaten their integrity. And under his his uh, how can I put it his his, his code for, in his his plans for the only time he would actually use nuclear weapons, it's when there is a threat to Russian inte- national integrity. And so it's being taken by the West as a a, th- a very desperate, cornered man who is losing. Firstly, calling up old retired soldiers and killing them because he's killed all the young ones already um, but then also threatening to use nukes on his way out the door um is is that how can i put it is is that how it's it's going to look is that how it's going to play or is this just do you think this is just an a cornered lunatic saying lunatic things um, he's- I think um
0: there's a great story about um Vladimir Putin <clears throat> apparently what turned him into the man that he was so when he was very young and he, he lived in these sort of run down, um block of flats in sort of some grim place and he was chasing these rats around and there's got this rat into a corner and then the the rat turned on him and sort of like sort of went for him and it made him realize that however big you are you know a cornered animal is really dangerous and that he's view from that point onwards, apparently, is that you've always got to be, you've got to be strong, you've got to be fighting back, you've always got to keep fighting. And there's a, there's a funny sort of uh, parallel there with where he is now, because increasingly, he's starting to look like that, that rat in the corner, not the big bloke. Um, and um, the concern, of course, is that he will do something, you know, in a last ditch attempt, he could do something horrendous. Um, I think, what's interesting is what the people around him are going to do. So there's been a lot of talk in the past about, oh, will the oligarchs um, rise up and force him out of power or, you know, the big business people. I'm not necessarily certain that was ever really going to happen, because those people have got their money and most of them have left the country and they're kind of quite disconnected. It's whether those people right at the heart of the regime um, are likely to do anything, because quite frankly, I think this is the the only way this is going to play out now, is somebody on the inside takes steps against Putin. the the ordinary people I think because you've got to remember they don't hear any of the news that we hear so they don't know about you know not, not really don't know about the details the numbers of people that have been killed and the atrocities and the the, the mass graves they don't know about any of that stuff so it's really gonna be down to that inner circle and are they really prepared to take that massive massive risk to try and take on Putin?
1: exactly and he's like a lot of strong men and politicians not long ago from this parish, uh, he tends to surround himself with people who agree with him. And so therefore they're perhaps not going to dissent and see the reason for dissent. There was one guy on uh, radio four this morning talking about launching nukes at at, uh, Britain and that everyone else was going to die, but no one in Russia seems to fundamentally misunderstand the concept of fallout or wind. Um, So that's not necessarily going to work. And Leslie says, any idea he'll take Putin's place? Uh, if he is de- dethroned in a coup, someone more sane who has decided to stage a coup. If if he just finally succumbs to whatever his health problems are, could be just another lunatic, just like he is, who needs to establish themselves as a strong man very quickly. So we'll have to see, won't we? But there was no alternative but to fight him in Ukraine, because otherwise he would be on our doorstep. So there we well, go.
0: Would. I mean, he's just... I mean, the thing is, I think we can be... I don't think we should be scared of Putin, I think we should be concerned about Putin, that's sort of slightly different things, because he's, a, he's just a nasty little bully and nasty little bullies want people to be scared of them, so we need to be aware of him we need to think about how we're going to deal with this but being scared of him is what we want and we've got to be on the front foot and we've got to be thinking you know, we've got to be looking at um, how we can keep that unity, because it's only by the West being unified that we will we will ultimately defeat him and we will defeat him, like we've, we've successfully defeated other nasty little bullies in the past so but that's through unity
1: exactly and he's, he's not going to be able to use nuclear weapons without it being seen by satellites in space that he's fueling the missile silos and there's lots of movements and so on so people will see long before he actually has to do a launch that that's what's happening
0: And um, you've got to remember that those people in you know around him will be thinking what does this look like afterwards if they're thinking okay Putin's going to be gone at some point what does that mean for me? And so they're all be thinking about right. What's my best next step? And well, know, that's really- a war. It
1: means their skins falling off.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: So that's that's what's coming for everybody. Beta radiation. Uh, some things I wish I didn't know. But anyway, there we go. Um, now, thank you, Alison, for explaining that. Thank you, everyone, for taking part in those questions. Now we do have some good news in the world for you. It's it's not it's not the best news in the world we can find, but it's the best thing I can find in the paper today. Yes. And here it is. Now, gas prices don't look uh, like they're coming down anytime soon. And Liz Truss has said very definitely that she is against a windfall tax that everybody in the country, including Conservative voters, want. Lots of people have predicted a U-turn on that, although you haven't seen one yet. But there is a U-turn of some sort. And maybe it's starting here because it turns out she is for a windfall tax. Liz Truss wants a windfall tax. Uh, using the high prices of oil and gas on the world markets to penalise those gaining most from it, but only in Russia, to pay back Ukraine for the damage it's done. Now, that may seem quite appropriate for lots of people, but it does sound like a windfall tax to me. Alison, is this a sign, do you think, that the the new Prime Minister thinks socialism is fine, so long as it's used as a punishment?
0: (laughs) I think that does sound very much like it. I also think there's a little touch of uh, the new Prime Minister making up policy as she goes along and that whatever sort of sounds okay on the day. So,
1: yeah. Yes. that's That seems to be where we are, which is, I could have sworn where we were with the last one. Ooh. Anyway, thank you for taking us through that, Alison. Um, those of you listening later on podcast, please leave us a review. Thank you everyone for taking part. And we will see you all again on Monday, if we're spared, for another edition of the News Agenda. Tati, bye.
0: Bye.